All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on 2 Timothy. This recording will be the final session as we look at that letter, and Paul wraps it up here beginning in verse 9. And so we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. The main body of the letter of 2 Timothy wrapped up in chapter 4, verse 8. So here, beginning in verse 9, Paul now turns to some practical and personal matters between he and Timothy as he winds down the letter. And even though these are some very personal words to his friend and colleague, there really are still some important lessons for us in these final words. And so they begin like this in verse 9. Paul says, make every effort to come to me soon. And so his encouragement to Timothy is, I need you here. I want you to come And I don't just want you to come when you get a chance. I want you to come to me soon. So wrap things up there in Ephesus and uh, make plans and arrangements to travel to me as soon as you can. There's probably a couple reasons for this. Paul is going to specify very soon that he wants Timothy to come before winter, and there's some things he's wanting Timothy to bring him. So that's probably one of the reasons he wants him to come soon. But also, a number of Paul's co-workers have left him, And he is largely alone, as he's about to mention. And that's the first reason Paul gives for wanting Timothy to come soon. And so look at verse 10. Paul explains, for, so make every effort to come to me soon, for, that is for this reason, because of this. Here's here's Paul explaining why he wants Timothy to come soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Demas. He is mentioned in Colossians chapter 4 and Philemon 24, and both those letters were written during Paul's prior imprisonment. So he's been part of Paul's circle for a little while, but we don't really know a whole lot about him. But what Paul says here is really not flattering words. He says, Demas, having loved this present world... Now, we don't know exactly in what way and what exactly Paul means by that. Did he abandon Jesus? Was he ashamed of Paul and his imprisonment and his chains? Was there maybe a threat on Demas' life because of his association with Paul? And it was more than he wanted to deal with? We just don't really know. But Paul sees his desertion, his leaving and going to Thessalonica as evidence that he loved this world more more so than the world to come. And that's not a good thing. And really, that provides, I think, the first bit of encouragement and challenge to us as we look at these very personal words. We don't want to be like Demas. We don't want to love this world and its comforts and its things more than we love the world to come. And so we want our heart and our soul and our ambitions and our energies to be aimed at and uh, longing for the world to come. Demas, from Paul's perspective, was not doing that, and thus he deserted Paul and went to Thessalonica, which perhaps maybe Thessalonica was his hometown. Paul mentions two more in verse 10. He says, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Both of these guys uh, were co-workers of Paul. We know who Titus is, don't know really anything about Crescens. And it seems like these two have left to, to maybe serve in these specific places. So Crescens is going to go serve in Galatia, and Titus is going to go serve in the region of Dalmatia. That's what we would assume about those two. And so Paul notes in verse 11 this, only Luke is with me. 
And so he's somewhat alone. He only has Luke with him. And that's, that's part of the reason why he wants Timothy to come to him as soon as he can. Now, we know who Luke is. Luke first joined Paul on the second missionary journey in the city of Troas. And he traveled with Paul from Troas to Philippi, was there when Paul was uh, beaten with rods and put in jail in Philippi. And then it seems like he stayed behind in Philippi for a while when you read the book of Acts and then rejoined Paul later on that missionary journey. And so he's been a traveling companion of Paul almost as long as Timothy has uh, for 15 years or so now. And he alone is with Paul. And so Paul wants Timothy to come to him as well. And he wants Timothy to bring someone with him. So look at the second half of verse 11. He says, only Luke is with me. And then telling Timothy to come, he says, take along Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for service. And so when Timothy comes, Paul wants him to bring Mark with him. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Paul's life and ministry that's recorded in the book of Acts, then you know that Mark had abandoned Paul and Barnabas midway through the first missionary journey. You can check out the listener's commentary on uh, Acts 15 and 16 to kind of get that story, and you'll hear my thinking as to why I suspect uh, Mark left and abandoned Paul. And even though we don't know the exact reason why Mark left— the, the uh, dissension was so great that when at the beginning of the second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take Mark again along, Paul objected so strongly that it, it led to he and Barnabas splitting as the missionary team going to two separate places. Well, now it's about 15 years later from that time period. And Paul wants Mark to come to him and says that he is useful to him. So they've made amends and they've patched things up and they've, they're more on the same page again. And Paul wants Timothy to bring Mark to him there in his imprisonment. Paul also notes in verse 12 that I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus, uh, probably as the one who's the mailman. He's the one that's going to deliver this letter of 2 Timothy to Timothy. And he's going to serve in Ephesus as a replacement for Timothy. That would be our suspicion. Don't obviously know 100%, but that's our guess that uh, when Paul says, I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus, it's to be Paul, uh, Timothy's replacement. And Tychicus has worked with Paul for a while as well. He was the one who delivered Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon during Paul's first imprisonment about four or five years earlier. And so another reason Paul's alone is he's sent Tychicus off to replace Timothy in Ephesus. And then in verse 13, Paul returns to specifically instructions to Timothy when he comes. And he says this, When you come, bring the overcoat, which I left in, at Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. Again, we don't know all the backstory that is, you know, it kind of lying behind verse 13. But our guess would be this. Most likely... These are items that, that got left behind when Paul was arrested and escorted out of Troas and taken off to Rome for this imprisonment. That would be our guess. We don't know for sure, but it makes sense. The overcoat literally is the outer garment, his outer robe. And it was particularly used to keep warm in wet and cold environments. And that may be why Paul wants uh, Timothy to come before winter, as he'll note very shortly, as he wants him to bring this. It's going to get cold. It's going to get damp. It's going to get miserable. I don't have my outer garment. Could you bring that when you come? 
That's the idea here. So bring that. And Paul says he left it in Troas, which is north of Ephesus up on the coast with a man named Carpus. And then he mentions also the books, especially the parchments. Man, we, again, it would be so fascinating to know which books are these? What are these parchments? What is Paul getting at? Were these, were these uh, copies of scriptures that he had? Were they empty parchments because Paul wants to write some things? We just don't know. But these are some of Paul's supplies that got left behind in Troas. And Paul wants Timothy to bring those when he comes. Then he says in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. We don't know who this is, um, but most likely he is uh, a, a man who lived in Troas since Paul had just mentioned Troas and he's talking about that and he mentions Alexander. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. So Paul doesn't need to take vengeance. The Lord will take care of him and deal with him as he sees fit. But he does have this warning to Timothy in verse 15. Be on guard against him yourself also, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. And that's why it seems like this guy lives in Troas, since Paul has just given Timothy instructions about Troas. And so Paul wants Timothy, as he's traveling through Troas, gathering Paul's stuff, he wants Timothy to kind of be wary of Alexander, keep his eyes open for him, because he's a, a vigorous opponent of the teaching about Jesus. And so watch out for him. And our assumption would probably be that when Paul says, he did me great harm, our assumption would probably be that he he might be the one that's at least somewhat responsible for Paul's latest arrest and imprisonment. Again, we don't know for sure, uh, but that may be the kind of harm that he did to Paul is he's the one that led the charge to get Paul arrested, that's led to this imprisonment where it doesn't look good for Paul. So verses 9 through 15 was all about uh, Timothy coming to Paul and Paul's instructions to Timothy and why he wanted him to come soon and all of that. Then, beginning in verse 16, Paul describes his own situation a little bit. And so he says this, At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Paul's first defense is most likely some sort of initial hearing about his case. Seems like that's the way the Roman legal system worked. And yet, Paul says, even then, no one supported me, but all deserted me. In some sense, uh, Paul feels like he was abandoned or deserted by some of his co-workers, uh, maybe by some of the believers there in Rome. Not totally sure exactly what he means by that, but uh, Paul felt very alone at his first defense, and he says, may it not be counted against them. He's not going to hold it against them. He doesn't want the Lord to hold it against them. He understands the, the pressure that his situation is causing for them. But even though he felt abandoned and deserted by people, he says in verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And so although he felt very alone, the Lord was with him. Jesus stood by his side and Jesus gave him strength so that, this is really important, here is the goal or the purpose clause uh, in all this, so that through me, the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And so even in this time, as Paul is feeling alone and abandoned, where the outcome of his trial does not seem to be positive, and that'll become very clear shortly, 
even in this time where he has, you know, experienced great harm by a specific person, Alexander the coppersmith, even then, Paul has his eyes fully on his calling and his vocation. He has his eyes fully on the purpose of his life and ministry, and that is that, that the Gentiles might hear the gospel. They might hear about Jesus, the Messiah. And so even at his defense, he is telling the story of Jesus and the gospel through his defense of his life and ministry. And Paul notes then at the end of verse 17 that, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. And so there was no verdict given at his initial defense and his initial hearing. Um, he, his case was postponed for a later date. And so he was rescued out of the lion's mouth. And then Paul says with confidence, even though he doesn't expect things to totally turn out well for him, as you read through this letter, you get the sense that he's on the home stretch of his life and ministry. He says with confidence in verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. That is a, a really a statement of great faith that is very instructive to us. Paul doesn't expect that he is going to get a positive outcome from his trial. And so when he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, based on the tone and other things Paul has said in the letter, Paul doesn't have great confidence that he's going to get out of this situation alive. So what does he mean when he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed? Well, I think it's the second half of verse 18 uh, is what he means when he says, and will bring me safely into his kingdom. Uh, it's not that he expects to get rescued out of the problem and thus, you know, not die, not be condemned to death. It's that even if he is condemned to death, the Lord's going to bring him safely into his eternal heavenly kingdom. And, and so Paul has great confidence that he's really in a no-lose situation. Should somehow, by miraculous means, he actually get out of prison without being condemned to death, praise God. But even if that doesn't happen, he's going to be ushered, uh, ushered safely into God's heavenly kingdom. And that's even better. And so for Paul, it's a no-lose situation. And so even though he, he feels like he's on the, the final leg of his uh, journey uh, on his current life and ministry, he has great confidence that he will... He will arrive safely in the kingdom of heaven. And so he ends verse 18 by saying to him, that is to the Lord, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul has some specific people he wants Timothy to greet there in Ephesus before he leaves. And so he says in verse 19, greet Prisca and Aquila. That is Priscilla and Aquila. Prisca is her shortened name. And we know who they are. Paul first met them in Corinth, though they were originally from Rome. And they traveled with Paul to Ephesus, stayed there a while. We also know that when Paul wrote Romans, they're back in Rome for a little while. So where are they now? Well, it seems like maybe they've traveled back to Ephesus and Paul wants them to greet them there in Ephesus before he leaves. Or else they're still in Rome. And when, when Timothy comes to Rome to find and be with Paul, he wants them, he wants them to stop by Priscilla and Quilla's place and greet them there. We're not sure exactly where they're at. Either one could make sense. Um, 
And so we're not 100% certain. But he wants him to great, greet Priscilla and Aquila, two longstanding co-workers that he has great affection for. He wants Timothy also to greet the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus is mentioned in chapter 1, verses 16 and following. Um, and Paul says this in, in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. And so Paul wants Timothy to greet him. Uh, he even notes in chapter 1, 16 and 17 that Onesiphorus had come to Rome for a visit and searched out Paul and found him. And he notes there in chapter 1, verse 18, that he uh, has served the Lord faithfully in Ephesus. So greet him, Paul says. Timothy, greet, greet uh, the household of Onesiphorus. And then Paul gives a couple notes about uh, two specific co-workers that Timothy knew. Not really sure why he mentions these notes here. There probably was some reason that uh, Timothy could infer we just don't know exactly what that is. But Paul says in verse 20, Erastus remained at Corinth. Um, there is an Erastus mentioned in Romans 16.23. That Erastus was uh, originally from Corinth, and he actually was a city official there. And that may be the one he's mentioning. There, there was a co-worker that is by the same name, Erastus, that's mentioned in Acts 19.22, who seems like he's a different person than the Erastus mentioned in Romans 16, 23. So it's probably the co-worker. Not sure if that's the same guy as the one mentioned in Romans 16. So Erastus remained at Corinth, but I left uh, Trophimus sick at Miletus. And uh, Trophimus has been a co-worker of Paul for a while as well. Miletus was an island off the coast of Ephesus, Paul actually met with the elders from the church at Ephesus at Miletus on his uh, third missionary journey. So don't know exactly why Paul mentions those two here, uh, but they get a specific mention. Uh, was Timothy supposed to swing by Miletus and uh, say hi to him, then swing by Corinth and greet Erastus there? Not really sure what Paul's purpose in mentioning them, but he notes these two guys. And then he says to Timothy in verse 21, make every effort to come before winter. So he wants Timothy to come soon. That's where this section started. Now here, right at the end, he encourages them, if possible, get here before winter. Um, and we don't know exactly what time of year it is, but that's presumably several months away. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons for that is Paul wants that outer garment, that cloak, um, and he needs it before winter so he doesn't get cold. That would be great. And so Paul's encouraging, do what you can, if possible, to get here before winter. And then Paul extends some greetings from uh, some people there in Rome that Paul knows, and maybe Timothy knows as well. So Eubulus greets you. Also, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. And so there's members of the church in Rome that Paul at least has some connection with. And so, they've stopped by and visited him or done something while he's there in prison. And Paul tells Timothy, they all greet you. In fact, all the brothers and sisters there in Rome greet you as well. And Paul signs off the letter of 2 Timothy this way in verse 22 by saying, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And with that, the letter of 2 Timothy comes to an end. And with that, the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament comes to an end as well. And so these are the final words of the Apostle Paul to his friend and colleague Timothy, as well as to us who are reading his letters all these years later, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And just before we leave this letter, 
I think it's helpful to remember what these kind of greetings in these personal sections point out to us. They remind us that the Apostle Paul is a real person. Timothy is a real person. These are real people with real needs in real situations, living in real time and space. Sometimes we forget that as we read the New Testament. Sometimes we even almost over-glorify these people. But, but these are real people living at a real place and time in history. And these are real letters between individuals. And so the Apostle Paul here really encouraging Timothy to come to him, uh, dealing with real difficulties, and yet expressing his faith in Jesus, knowing that somehow whatever happens and whatever the outcome of his, his imprisonment and trial is, that he knows he'll be ushered safely into God's heavenly kingdom. And so we can be encouraged by that and by Paul's faith and his confidence right up to the end. All right, thanks for tuning in to the Listener's Commentary on 2 Timothy. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible teaching ministry that is made possible by the generosity of individuals and even churches all around the, the world. And so thanks a ton for your support if you're one of those. Uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. This ministry is only possible because of your generous support. So thanks a ton. If you have been impacted by this ministry in some way, blessed by it in some way, um, experienced the fruit of this ministry in some way, would you prayerfully consider joining the team of supporters so this ministry can continue to expand and enlarge and increase uh, and continue to be used by the Lord to bear good fruit all around the world? So let me say in advance, thanks a ton for your support. May God bless you for it.